I'm calling today's word the midnight hour. We're continuing in the narrative of Silas now becoming Paul's partner instead of Barnabas as Paul goes on his second ministry journey to Lystra and Iconium. So we now read in Acts chapter 16 and verse 1. Paul and Silas go to Lystra where they meet a new Christian named Timothy who had a Jewish Christian mother and a Greek father. Paul was so impressed with Timothy that he said to Silas, we're taking this young fellow with us on our next journey. They then set off together and tried to go into Asia Minor, but the Holy Spirit told them not to go. So they travelled through Galatia, deciding to head north for the province of Bithynia, but again the Holy Spirit said no. It's a good way to get direction. I know it is as good as a yes when it comes from God. Paul then had a vision in a dream where he saw a man over in Macedonia in Greece pleading with him, come over here and help us. And it became clear to Paul then that God was sending them to preach the gospel in Philippi, a Roman colony just inside the Macedonian border. And when they got there, they preached to some women by a riverbank where were they, these women would come to pray and worship God every Sabbath. One of the women was named Lydia. She was from Thyatira and she was a purple cloth merchant. Purple cloth was quite a valuable commodity in those days. And she opened her heart to all that Paul was saying. She became baptised along with all her household and asked Paul and the others to stay at her house as a guest. Then one day, as Paul and all the others were heading down to have prayer beside the river, they met a demon-possessed slave girl. That girl followed Paul and the team around day after day. She was a fortune teller. And she would say, These men are servants of God, and they have come to tell you how to have your sins forgiven. Now, this fortune teller lady had managers that made a lot of money from her performances telling the future. But after a few days of this, Paul became so distressed that he turned and commanded a religious spirit to come out of her. And when it left, her managers realised that their hopes of wealth were now shattered. These influential managers had to have a plan First thing they did was they grabbed Paul and Silas, dragged them before the judges at the marketplace and charged them with upsetting the Roman peace, Pax Romanus. The judges ordered them to be stripped and beaten with whips, then thrown into prison. And the jailer was threatened with death if they escaped. So he put them into the inner dungeon with their feet shackled to the ground in wooden stocks. Just before midnight, Paul and Silas decided to sing praises to the Lord. And the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly, at the midnight hour, there was a great earthquake. The prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors flew open. 
and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open and assuming that his prisoners had escaped, he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul yelled to him, don't do it, we're all here. Trembling with fear, the jailer called for lamps and he ran into the dungeon and fell at the feet of Paul and Silas. He brought them out and begged them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and your entire household. Then the jailer took both of them, he took both of them to his home quarters there at the prison and cleaned up their whiplashed backs. Paul then told them and all his household the truth of the gospel and the jailer believed. And he and all his family were baptised. He provided a meal for all of them and they joyfully praised God together as believers through the night. The next morning, the judges sent police officers over to the jail to order the jailer to let them go. So the jailer told Paul they were free to leave. But Paul wouldn't have anything of that. He explained that if they've been publicly beaten and jailed without trial as Roman citizens, there's no way that they were going to leave secretly. So he demanded that the judges come themselves and release them. The police officers reported all of this to the judges. And they feared for their lives when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and begged them to go and brought them out publicly, pleading with them to leave the city. Paul and Silas then returned to the home of Lydia, where they met with the believers and preached to them once more before leaving town, knowing that this would have made the local Christians feel much more secure after they'd left. Okay, so there's a lesson of faith we can learn from this account of Paul and Silas as they're in chains in the prison cell at the midnight hour. The way they acted teaches us about how to respond when we're in circumstances that are beyond our control. It's about expecting the unexpected by trusting God that he is supernaturally at work for us. God was on their side. Paul had firmly set his heart on doing the best that he could to fulfil what God wanted him to do on the entire journey. And he'd been guided by the Holy Spirit as he went forward, as we've seen very clearly. Twice he decided to go in a certain direction and he was told by the Holy Spirit in some special way not to go. There was another way that God spoke to them about. Uh, this is not just simply a unique thing that they're apostles and, and they get that kind of direction. This is like a type, an archetype, it's an example of what it is to be seeking to do the will of the Lord, waiting to hear and to check out, was that okay? And sometimes God's saying, nope. Okay, 
but knowing that you're in the way. It says in Matthew, fellow says, I being in the way, the Lord led me. He was even given a dream of the man from Macedonia. So all of this would have given Paul great reassurance. So that's something that we can say, that can be an expectation. But an expectation of what? Well, we don't know the what. We just know the who. So it would have been logical for Paul to think that by going to Philippi, as he was directed by the Holy Spirit, this is his logical human thinking, that everything would have gone smoothly. When he gets to the place, there'll be a move of God, there'll be salvation for people, but God had a number of surprises waiting for Paul, and he has that for all of us. And this is the first lesson that we can learn. We cannot presume that God will give us a magic carpet ride into seeing his supernatural work in action. We don't just say, I'm clicking the fingers now, Lord, are you listening? I'd like something supernatural. God is always there doing his supernatural. But it's quite often hidden for us. It's hidden for our sake so that we won't jump in and change that moment outside of God's timing. So there will be times of trials of faith and patience as we seek in our hearts to stay in the will of God. And we can look back, say, what's the journey been like? For instance, Paul. The way this worked out for Paul was that things went very well for a while. Lydia gets saved and baptised, the more people get touched by God, and then suddenly everything starts to go shockingly bad. It couldn't have become worse for Paul and Silas to end up being arrested and whipped and imprisoned and shackled in chains against a wall and perhaps awaiting a death sentence. So thank you, Lord, for leading me <laughs> the way you have. Then after learning about trials of faith, see, that's a trial of faith, we can learn another lesson from Paul and Silas. For us, it would be like everything going so bad that the midnight hour arrives where things can't get any darker and where we grimly ask ourselves, what do I do now? There seems to be no hope. But the lesson to learn is that this is when we should have the most hope. If you've put your heart on following God and things go awfully bad, then start really having hope. That's when he shows up. This is when there's nothing we can do but be still and see the salvation of our God, especially in the days in which we're living now. This is where we move away from being conscious of what the world is doing to us and move towards being conscious of what God is doing for us. That is a mindset swap. This shift of our thinking is vital for any kind of faith transformation of our soul. Catch yourself thinking. The world, the mess, me, powerless. God says, uh-uh, me, 
all-powerful, in charge, sovereign, loving you. That's the renewing of the mind. That's faith. That's what faith is. It's not, I want you to do this now, Lord. And God says, no, I tell you, be still. And you'll see the salvation of your Lord. Now, if Silas would have asked Paul that question, what do we do now? He would have heard only one answer. Paul would have said, there's only one thing to do, Silas. We start praising the Lord because only he can do the supernatural work to get us out of this. So let's just praise the Lord with all of our hearts. Hallelujah. Paul knew that God wanted to show them his sovereign rule over everything, over everything that was happening out there in the world, in the Roman Empire, and there within their hearts of faith. He wanted to show them his mighty acts in their midnight hour. Paul would have been reminded of Moses at the Red Sea, Joshua, the walls of Jericho, and David telling his soul to magnify the Lord in his times of fear and distress. Go to God. And finally, there are a number of scriptures that mention the midnight hour. And the midnight hour has end time significance, that phrase in the scriptures, about the darkest hour having to come before a new dawn can break. We'll look at three of these scriptures as we close. There's a number of them. We're going to look at three of them. But in all of the scriptures, the midnight hour scriptures always fall into one of these three contexts, strangely. A, the times of judgment between good and evil, and God's people being delivered. The next one, the next context, a bride being prepared for her bridegroom. And the next context, times of shaking where prisoners get set free from darkness and find salvation. The first example of a midnight hour situation we see in the book of Exodus chapter 12 where God pronounces judgment and says that at the midnight hour he would pass through the land of Egypt and strike all the firstborn in the land and execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. That speaks of God's people coming out of the world in a supernatural deliverance and into his journey to the promised land in Christ. The second example of a midnight hour situation we read about in the New Testament. It's about the time when some bridesmaids go to sleep while the bridegroom is being delayed. And at midnight, a cry is heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Some of the bridesmaids have no oil in their lamps. We can't go to meet the bridegroom without the oil. The wise ones had oil in their lamps. Speaking of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. That's in Matthew chapter 25. The third example of a midnight hour situation is the one that we've just read. In the book of Acts with Paul and Silas. 
where God supernaturally sets people free from bondage and where they can sing, My chains fell off, I've been set free. I once was blind, but now I see. Strange how those midnight hour scriptures are placed there, waiting for a time to be fulfilled. And we don't know the times. We don't know the times and the hours. But there are times when it seems amazingly familiar that there are certain imprints of this midnight hour message of God happening. We see those things, I believe, happening in different degrees right now. There have been certain times in history where the times are the darkest and God gives the world its warnings. It's happened before. And he gives his church his message of hope for setting people free. Now we're certainly in a dark time of history. And God is bringing many things of the world into the light for them to be seen and judged for what they are. He's also encouraging his church to become more pure in heart and prepared as a bride for his son. He's also bringing light into the darkness for the blind to see and he's shaking all things and opening prison doors for spiritual chains to fall off so that people can be set free. So let's just be aware we're living in a special time. Great darkness will cover the people, but God's light will be seen upon you. Look in the right direction and let God surprise you personally as you bring your life before him and those that you're praying for because he's not leaving anybody out at the moment. We're in such a critical stage of history it doesn't matter what you believe, what you think, what you've learned, what you've achieved. We're in the hand of a God who's sovereignly over everything and nobody knows what's happening next. But God does. Thank you, Lord. Amen.